Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm back. Subi here alongside Taylor Dammel. Uh, we're battling some extreme heat. Taylor's been battling like 115 degree days. I'm over here sweating it out in 85, which is hot for Chicago. In my estimation, pretty humid as well. But we're back. I'm back from vacation. Uh, Taylor's got the nursery all set up. It's great. We're back. We're here to talk some college hoops. We're brought to you by Belly Up Media. Go download, subscribe, rate, and review us on whichever device it is that you use. Your college hooper of the day, Leon Poe. I had to go with a California Bear, also a great Boston Celtic, because that combination struck it rich today. Jalen Brown signing the richest contract in NBA history. We'll talk a little bit about that, I'm sure. But Leon Poe, in honor of JB, a former Cal Bear who's now a current Celtic, uh, Leon Poe is your college hooper of the day. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and make sure to follow me at CBB Theater to find out where the feat is. You should also follow Taylor at Taylor Dam. Let's open the curtains. here in july huge sports day if you can believe it jim harbaugh I'm, I'm just going as i as i remember it. jim harbaugh apparently is suspended for the first four games of michigan season jalen brown got extended Bronny apparently collapsed i i think he's doing better he's stable uh wishing him a full and speedy recovery but it, Taylor, it just seemed like the news kept coming. And if you're into hockey, Patrice Bergeron retired. Uh, the news was just heavy for a late July day. Am I wrong there? Well, it, you know, no, you're not wrong. And even to add to this, uh, as I was touring uh, the hospital for where my child is going to be born here in about six weeks, I came to realize that they're going to be born in the Tom Brady Center 
the Donna and Tom Brady Center is apparently where my child is going to be born, which I had no idea about in advance. Clearly, I should have done a little more due diligence in picking the hospital uh, because I wasn't exactly prepped uh, to find out any news about Tom Brady today as well. Uh, I'm assuming it's not the same Tom Brady. I'm just going to guess. And yeah, you know, did he make a donation? Your daughter is going to be an all time great. (laughs) Yeah. 12. My daughter, 12. Yeah. Um, No, I I don't (laughs) QB one devil. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So um, yeah, Jalen Brown getting paid. That's not bad for like the 22nd best player in the NBA to get the (laughs) look, man, get your shots off, get your jokes off. I'm not over the moon about it, but it's almost as if the Celtics didn't have a choice. Maybe. It's like paying a, it's like paying a quarterback. Speaking of quarterbacks, sure. it's just the next next man up type of deal. But, but boy, for someone who can't dribble with their left hand, like, I'm hoping that changes. That's not even a joke, though. Let me just let me just like I can make fun of him for being the 22nd best player in the NBA or whatever. This man actually can't dribble with his left hand, though. That's just analysis. That's no, not. I know. Like, <laughs> no, right. I know. I know. Dude, like, and and it's been that way for a few years. Uh, what was I, what was I thinking about though? Like the thing is it's so, so there's so many narratives and easy low hanging fruit because it is true, right? He can't dribble with his left hand. I almost equated in college basketball terms. It's like whenever someone thinks of an old player, everyone just automatically goes to Perry Ellis, even though I think Perry Ellis, it, all it was is that he looked old. He just played for four years. There have been guys that have been in school longer than Perry Ellis. The point that I'm making is yes, it's it's true Jalen Brown can't dribble with his left, but I don't think he can like just dribble, period. Like, no, like no, when he goes sure. into traffic, even with his right, everyone always harps on the left. Like he's not very good dribbling in general. He's he doesn't even like, need to go into traffic. I, like he's, he's just on the perimeter by himself. No, I know. Like he's kind of like a deer, also, though, on, on ice. And I'm like, Jalen, you're such a freak athlete. I kind of wish you'd just take your to- turn around, pull up Jay. But Hey, the man got paid. I ain't going to fight him on that. And I'm happy for him. You know, a guy like Jalen Brown, um, did we discuss this? I feel like we discussed this in previous times, but um, kind of me of like almost like an uh, Andre Robertson, Robertson situation from Colorado, where this dude played like the four in college and sometimes slid to the five. And then like in the NBA, he was a two. And then kind of Jalen Brown was kind of the same way in college. He kind of played like kind of like a hybrid stretch four. Uh and that team, do you remember that team? Did we was that on this podcast a couple of weeks ago? We talked about this, or was this a side conversation? I can't even remember. It had to have been a side conversation because I cannot imagine the what 2014 Cal Bears came up here 20, recently. 20, 2015. But let me let me just talk to you about how good of a coach Quanzo Martin is. Okay. This team had eleven losses. Okay. I mean, that's not bad. That's like bubble. Jalen Brown. Ivan Rabb, Jabari Bird, Tyrone Smoochie Wallace, Jordan Matthews, Cameron Rooks, Kingsley Okoro. That team had 11 losses. <laughs> like five NBA players on that team. <laughs> and that team uh, that, and that team just got smoked like to end the year against Hawaii. Were they all, fr- like, were they all freshmen? Like JB <laughs> was obviously a freshman. Tyrone Wallace was a senior. Jabari Bird was a junior. Jordan Matthews. Jordan Matthews was really good. Yeah, I remember uh, Jordan Matthews. Junior now, Ivan Rabb and Jalen Brown were both freshmen, but they were like the number one and three players in the country. Isn't that so crazy, not... by the way? Just real quick, the career trajectory of Jalen Brown and Ivan Rabb. Ivan Rabb was, I feel like, more of a can't miss 
than JV. Oh, he was the he was the recruit of that class, and yeah. everyone was kind of not shocked because I know Arizona was in on him pretty heavy. I think it came down to Arizona and Cal as the last two in his recruitment, and the guy just did nothing after. I mean, he had a good college career, I guess, but like, I mean, to come in as arguably the number one recruit in the country. Um, and Jalen Brown, just, it's not surprising that he's really good in the NBA. To me, again, it's just surprising what his role is a little bit. Like if you would have told me in 2015, 16, that Jalen Brown was going to be like a starting two guard ball handler in, I mean, or do you, is he, a, would you say he's a starting two guard? I mean, he's kind of, a starting wing, I guess, would be he's the way to wing. put it. Yeah. yeah, he's not a guard necessarily. But you know what I'm getting at. Like yeah, a guy yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, because that wasn't really his role in college. Um, obviously, skill sets change and, and stuff like that. I, I understand that. But yeah, he's not exactly playing the exact role I would think that he would have if you would have told me this like six, seven years ago. Well, it is funny. Obviously, we look at college. And I talk to a lot of folks that we have on the pod, right? I asked asked them, you know, players, former players. I said, "There's obviously a transition period, right? There's that leap between high school and college, and then college into wherever you're playing in the pros, whether it be the NBA, D- G League, or um, you know, overseas." But it is funny, Taylor, when you look at some of these rosters in college. Majority of the time, you're like, "Yeah, they're all pretty similar." But when you have a guy like Jalen Brown, who is a not only a lottery pick, but it, like a top three pick. And then you have these other guys. Sure, Ivan Rab was highly touted, but you know, Cal had a really good team, of course. But then there's like lottery pick Jalen Brown. There's lottery pick Zion Williamson. I feel like you can put those guys literally anywhere on a college basketball court and they're going to flourish. It's almost as if the coach is like, look, uh, it's, it's not necessarily positionless basketball. It's JB, you are the best player. Uh, in the entire game right now, probably. Uh, can you do what a four or five does? And then, of course, once you get to the NBA, people are like, there's much better players than Jalen Brown. But it, at that point, like there's there's so many levels within college basketball. It's college basketball versus high school, college basketball versus the pros. And then within college basketball, you're, you versus your team, like the last person on the bench, you versus the sixth man, you versus like another starter, right? Like, Dewan Harris and Christian Brown. Dewan Harris, I don't know if he's going to carve out an NBA career. Knock on wood, I hope he does. I don't know if Jalen Wilson will. Uh, Christian Brown is probably going to get paid here in a couple of years. And, and, and they were all part of a, the same starting lineup, right? So it's just crazy to think about. Yeah, and if you look at, like, um, you, you know, college prospects are always interesting, right? So Jalen Brown only scored – uh, 20, more than 20 points six or seven times that year, which isn't in college basketball. That's nothing to scoff at by, by any means, you know, it was against Richmond, a Colorado team that was awful Oregon state, like Sam Houston state against Arizona. For example, he scored 15 and five points in the two games he played, he played against Arizona. So I guess what I'm getting at is to me, it wasn't like, Oh shit. Like when you watched Anthony Davis and, yeah college you were like okay this guy's got fuck in like this guy's really good you know but like i never got I'm, when it came to jalen brown in college i was kind of like oh like yeah he's gonna be really he's gonna be really good he's gonna be good you know but it wasn't like oh my god this guy's gonna be at one point i know that there's a lot of factors that go into it but i never would have been like that guy's gonna get paid the most money 
than any singular contract in NBA history. I know a lot of it has to do more, more than anything else with just the cadence of the contracts. But yeah, not, not a lot about his freshman year, despite the fact that it was very good. It was like, oh yeah, highest paid player in all of professional basketball. I don't know if I would have said that. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I agree. I, and, and you're right. It is all about timing. But I, I think the better phrasing is, would you have thought that Jalen Brown would be in a position to, to get this, right? Like, I don't even think people thought that. And he got booed on draft night. But again, from a personal standpoint, shit, good for Jalen Brown. He may not be able to dribble. He's in a tough city where people are going to uh, critique him quite a bit, especially now. Dude, the second he commits that first turnover of next year, it's like, we're playing $300 million guaranteed for this. Uh, you know that's coming. But from getting booed on draft night to signing the richest deal in NBA history, whew, Good for JB. So let me ask you this, because I always have this fear or not fear, but um, trepidation when it comes to this type of situation where you have to pay the guy. And you and I have talked about this our entire friendship, a lot of times with football, but oftentimes in basketball too, where a team gets stuck. We talked about this kind of when the Celtics lost earlier this year too. Um, I won't say to who. But uh, yeah, they've lost two in the last three years. But are you are you fearful at all that like what Brown and Tatum have done together is at is are they maxed out? And now that you now that they're going to be both making a you know at some point they're going to be one hundred twenty million dollars of the salary cap just those two guys, right? Do you have any fear that like what if we get stuck in that like? Minnesota Viking, uh, you know, middle where it's like, we're good enough to get to like, you know, the conference finals every year and maybe, a you know, mix in a finals appearance here and there, but, but the rest of the supporting cast just isn't going to be good enough. Just given the money that Brown and, and Tatum are going to have, do you have any of that fear at all as a Celtics fan? Yeah, there's always that. I, I wouldn't necessarily equate it to the Vikings because their max right now, what we've seen JB and JT, their max is two games away from banner 18. Sure. 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 And yeah. Like they went up against a dynasty. They went up against a player who will, literally grind your nuts through a cheese grater and smile it with a baby face and Steph Curry. Like, what do you, what do you do? I yeah, like, right. I'm okay with that. I really, I was telling people this, I was like, I don't mind losing to the warriors. They're just better. It's <laughs> Steph Curry. What just take your medicine, I guess. So there are two games away. I'm fine with running it back, but yeah, there is that fear of maybe not necessarily the Vikings, but I've said this a couple of times well, being, being yeah, the poor Rockets. example, poor example, no, but like yeah. being the Rockets. I yeah, don't want to sure. be the friggin' Rockets fan. Right. Uh, where or really, st- really, really rich man's mid 2000s Atlanta Hawks team that just never. <laughs> no, <laughs> they're just- not the Hawks, man. The Hawks were literally one <laughs> flash in the pan. The Celtics. Well, well, no, I was just saying when they were like f- the fourth seed every single year for like oh, yeah. no, I don't seven years in a row. Right. I'd yeah. rather be the Thunder. I think I'd rather be the Thunder where they have. Right. I'm, I, yeah. I don't want to be the Thunder, but that's kind of what they are. The Thunder lost in five in the NBA Finals. They tried it and it just didn't work, but now they're fun as hell. They sucked for a few years. And, you know, when you know you're going to suck, that's actually decent. But if you have exciting young players like SGA, like Chet, like both sets, uh, you know, the sets of J- the, a set of Jalen Williams is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Josh Giddy, man, and Dagno's a really good coach. I might just be a Thunder fan. Honestly, if it doesn't work out with the Celtics, I'm going to be a Thunder fan. It'll be just in time for their ascent because they're going to be nasty. But there is that there is that trepidation. So and I guess not to 
continue this NBA talk too far, but it did, it did just remind me of what did you think about what Austin Rivers had to say this week about people getting maxed out and then requesting trades? Not that that's what Jay, not that that's what Jalen Brown is attempting to do in this situation, but well, you know, I'm I am afraid that like maybe not JB, but JT. And he's going to get maxed out next year, but I will bend over backwards for that man. He tells me to jump. I say how high, ask me to walk on water. Can I get my socks wet? All that stuff. So I, I want to do everything in my power to keep zero in Boston. But Austin Rivers, shut the hell up, man. Please, enough. Like life is not, does not have to be black and white, Taylor. You can, for me, like what they're doing with Damian Lillard, I have no issues with Damian Lillard saying, I want out. I want to go to Miami. These are my demands. I've done everything for this franchise. Cool. I also don't mind the Blazers being like, well, Damien, we have ourselves to look out for. All right. So I am perfectly fine if both parties are understanding that they got to do what's best for themselves. I got no issues with players, you know, trying to force their way to certain destinations. Do you? No, I mean, it's just like the Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers thing in a way, too just kind of stuck in. The problem is, is that everyone wants everything to happen overnight. Well, the NBA right. season doesn't start for three more months. Like it kind of, it doesn't matter if this happens today or in two and a half months. It really doesn't because the rosters are pretty much what they're going to be. Um, Portland wasn't going to go out and sign some free agent to backfill Lillard's contract. I mean, and the heat aren't going to do anything, whether it's with or without uh you know, any much different with their roster, whether it's with Dame or without. So, no, I mean, I everyone always wants things to happen like right away. And it really doesn't it doesn't matter if it happens right away or not. It doesn't it's going to have zero effect, in my opinion, on the year. And I was saying that like with the Aaron Rodgers uh, Jets thing. I'm like, this really doesn't need to get done until like August 25th. You, you know, everyone wanted it to happen on like March 5th. 10th and i'm like it doesn't what is it for what what does it matter you know i mean oh so they can go throw the ball around on the fucking beach in malibu six times like that's going to be the whole change of the year garrett wilson catches 12 balls on the beach from aaron Rodgers in july and now they're going to be super bowl favorites no it doesn't matter so same thing with like oh jimmy and dame got to learn to play together. no they don't they're not even they probably won't even see each other for another two months jimmy's know? in like so, brazil <laughs> yeah who gives a shit right yeah. so, it's not like unbelievable. Uh, well i mean yeah he's on a heater right now himbo um but yeah it's like it's not like they're gonna be like hey do you guys want to play one-on-one in some fucking sweaty gym in miami in august no that's not gonna happen well your boy a rod also by the way i wish it was sometime in august because he hijacked uh not it wasn't selection sunday but he hijacked i think the week of the tournament i think it was wednesday yeah it could have been or maybe it was a monday where there were no games like the it day was that time started. period, though. Well, yeah. I know it was. I oh, know yeah, it yeah. was because we were about to dive into the matchups, and I was like, "Well, we got to talk about this." Because he just went on McAfee saying, "I want to go to the Jets." Yeah. Well. Oh well. Hard knocks will be interesting. It'll either be the. Um, I think it'll either be like the last season of Hard Knocks ever, because the Jets seem to be starting to be trying to be shutting difficult. it down. Yeah. Wow. What a what a surprise. Um, <laughs> and. Um, the or it's going to be like the best season because of Aaron Rodgers just with you know hopeful hopefully because I'm still very pro Aaron so like hopefully we get like a, a McAfee show but in in a way you know with him uh yeah from a sharing sharing point, yeah. but, but at least like his open is his openness but I could see this being a bad season where they're not allowing access and then 
because Hard Knocks has been on a downhill slide, I think, here. And I think if we, they got one more season where it's just like now you're getting less, less access, less look into it, then I – the problem is, too, is every team is now kind of doing this with their own media teams in yeah. to some capacity that's like, well, why do we need to do this whole thing when they're not even giving us access? But anyway, we're way off the way off the subject here. But um, yeah, uh, looking forward to that. Cause I, uh, and was going to say going all the way back to the birth uh, part of this is <laughs> there you go. I, I think I'm going to have to pigeonhole myself into a very specific role this year on theater and college hoops. And not that my other role is going to change, but I'm going to have to become the 9 PM on basketball game expert because i know that my i know my role in this parental situation here is not is going to be the late night guy that's going to be at a premium and i already am the late night guy you know like i'm okay with that so i might have to really dive into being the late night uh you know reno uh, nevada reno versus you know whatever Fresno State. Yeah, right. Big exactly. Mountain West tilt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm serious. Like, yeah, you are going to be our, our Mountain West, our WCC, our WAC correspondent. Okay. <laughs> Great. Sounds good. I'm serious. Boots, boots on the ground. Yeah, right. We're going to need it. Uh, yeah, so I will be tuned into Hard Knocks. JB paid out the ass. Jim Harbaugh. I don't think we care about Harbaugh, but four-game suspension. Um, pretty easy schedule, but he does play Shiano week four. Rutgers coming to the big house. That'll be interesting to see. But uh, big news day, and, and it highlighted really, uh, especially in the college basketball world, Bronny apparently collapsed a couple days ago at practice for USC. And this is not something new for USC, okay? This happened last year with Vince Iwachukwu. He collapsed and was cleared to play in January 23. And I'm glad because Iwachukwu is a terrific player, and I hope he's – 100% recovered and healthy, and now I'm wishing that for Bronny as well. I hope he's 100% recovered and healthy. But, man, when I saw the Shams tweet, I was floored because at the end of the day, Taylor, this is going to sound crass, this is going to sound terrible, but this is LeBron James's son, all right? This is probably the most notable, highly touted, no, I mean, player that we've seen in some time, maybe not necessarily because of his play, but because of who he is. That's just the reality of the situation. And so when you see this happen, you're kind of floored, you're shocked. And obviously you're thinking of the young man. And for me, it, it always goes to, it is, I mean, Bronny, it's crazy and scary because Bronny has probably had access to some of the best doctors in the world, best medical staff in the world growing up, even pre USC. And this still, you know, happened and it's it's terrifying, really. And and I'm glad he's all right. I hope we see him on the court. But this is something that that stopped a lot of people in their tracks in the college basketball world. Yeah, I mean, we have such recent examples of it too, in like Christian Erickson uh, in Europe playing soccer, Keontae Johnson, obviously here in the United States, um, who had a very very successful collegiate career. We talked about him a lot this last year, and a, a lot. And not because of his previous collapse at Florida, but because he played extremely well. Uh, he played, got a, did he get drafted? Uh, he may he, have gotten drafted he, late. I got drafted. Um, I do know he was um, playing summer league ball. Um, yeah, he may have gotten drafted very, well, course, very late. Soup, you should know this. He got drafted by your Oklahoma City Thunder with the 50th <laughs> pick in the draft. So, um, but no, so uh, yes, I had the same, yeah. I had the same thoughts that you did. Um, 
you know, number one concern is, hey, hope the guy is all right. Um, you know, kind of sad or not. Of, of course, it's very sad, um, you know, to have to deal with something like that. Um, happened to Shaq's son as well. If you remember, Sharif O'Neal also had a similar situation when, uh, when he was at UCLA, um, uh, collapsing on the court there. And it, it does go to show you, though, how um, prepared, like you said, um, schools are nowadays for this and, and the proactive nature of athletics uh, at, at this high of level where um, there's probably very little safer places to be in the world than on a basketball court of a of a d1 college you know because you're just all so much medical attention is right there you know same with an nba court same with any of these situations you know i won't say in a football field because that just offers up a lot of issues but you know obviously demar hamlin uh kind of similar situation last year but football has way more variables in terms of the physical nature of things but uh yeah i mean i really hope you know that we know that he's okay i mean i hope that this doesn't negatively affect his career um and as much as we, you know, want to nitpick LeBron from time to time and whether, you know, people hate him or love him or whatever, or I, watching LeBron play with his son potentially in the NBA, whether you like LeBron or not, is kind of like a once in a lifetime thing to witness, really, you know, and that would be a super uh, sad thing to miss out on, I think. No, I totally agree. And I think when we were coming up watching sports, we were old enough but not experienced or knowledgeable enough to realize how cool it was. I don't think at least personally that we saw Ken Griffey play with his dad. That would be for uh, like, if we saw Bronny and LeBron, that would be what the older generation who saw Griffey and, and junior and senior play together. That would, that's kind of my, my parallel there. And you're right. Uh, selfishly, I do want to see Bronny play at USC, but Again, that's from a selfish standpoint. He needs to look out for his long-term career because he is going to go to the NBA. This isn't just a nepotism thing. He's projected, I think, a a top 15 pick, certainly a first-rounder. And so you got to keep that in mind. You have to be cognizant of that. And and I, I do think that LeBron is hands-on enough uh, where he's going to talk to Andy Enfield, talk to the USC coaching staff. And I know people have their opinions about LeBron and how they speculate who he is off the court and how he behaves. But I do think LeBron has done such a great job fathering his children and giving them enough space and raising them in this environment of being LeBron James's kid, where he's going to, he's going to let the, uh, you know, let the USC athletic or uh, medical staff tell him what's best Andy Enfield, what's best, talk to his son about what's best, and then come to a conclusion about how they want to move forward with this. It very well could be a Vinci with Chuck Wu situation where we see him literally next year uh, in the calendar year, and that'll be one of the most highly anticipated de debuts. But, you know, wishing him a speedy recovery. And, and again, uh, you just, you hope this doesn't mess with his long-term prospects. That would be, and, and again, just health, health-wise. Health-wise, I hope this is like a one-time thing and he's completely in the clear moving forward. Yeah, like you said, obviously I want to see him play at USC too, but if he doesn't and only plays eight games and treats those eight games as an NBA tryout type of thing, then I'm I'm okay with that. You know, I think I push back a little bit on the um, uh, one-and-done, every, every player empowerment movement, all that type of stuff. But like you said, at the same time, if you are going to recruit Bronny James, you do have to know that you're recruiting Bronny James. So you kind of are giving up a lot of your power 
and in this situation, I wouldn't blame it if if LeBron, which again, if you're LeBron and you're a billionaire, best NBA player of all time, arguably whatever, you you have to be involved to the maximum amount that you can be in this situation. You know, like normal parents would be, let alone if you were billionaire LeBron James, right? So I think he's well within his rights to do whatever. Nobody has better access to medical you know, or anything than LeBron James does. So if he wants to say, yeah, just come rehab with the Lakers instead, then I don't think anyone's going to be like, yeah, what a shitty dad. LeBron, <laughs> you know, like uh, that's what you should do if, for your son. LeBron legit might be like, yo, Gary Vitti, hop down to USC's campus. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll pay your salary, dog. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Which he should, which he should do. So really, you know, as much as I'd like to see USC uh, with Bronny, um, I'd still rather see him make it to the NBA, have that LeBron, uh, you, you know, father son situation happening. Cause that would just be a, yeah, a pretty notable thing. And, and then, yeah, it kind of goes without saying that his health is, even if he never plays basketball again, as long as he still lives a long and healthy life, that's really what we're going for here. So, yeah. And I think you said it, but it bears repeating. Shout out to the medical staff. I think Tamar Hamlin presented the Bills medical staff with an SB last week. It's really amazing how quickly these folks work uh, while being under the most immense pressure. Like I've gotten requests from my boss being like, hey, get me this report in two hours. And I shit myself a report in two hours. Right. These I'm guys, just, no, I'm just numbers on a numbers. Paper. Nonsense. <laughs> Nonsense. Literally not a life or death situation, but these guys, you know, doing amazing work. So Bronny fingers crossed. Hope, you know, get better. So one interesting thing about this, I, I want to hear what LeBron's and, and we can kind of talk about this because Bronny is seemingly okay. Um, LeBron's uh, Killian Mbappe tweet came out what would have ended up being after when Bronny had his cardiac arrest. Cause it apparently had cardiac arrest at like eight in the morning. Huh. That tweet came out at like nine 30 AM. And well, first just, of all, what, someone got to take LeBron's phone. Man. Well, like, <laughs> it could be just his people, you know, maybe LeBron's probably not actually tweeting every single thing on his account. You don't right? think so? I don't no, know. Some no. of them, some of them line up with how LeBron talks. Yeah. Opinion. Oh, well, I'm sure I'm not saying that, uh, but they're all are also scheduled tweets, right? Like, yeah, you know, you, you don't see there's a reason that like celebrities tweet when they tweet, especially sports stars. It's like, OK, so when does the when does skipping or whoever the hell is on that show now? You know, Fake that it. us. Yeah. Should yeah be us. It's it's at 10 a.m. So when does LeBron tweet this shit out? 9 a.m. Well, that's not by that's not coincidence, you know, generally. So um, I wonder if it was a scheduled tweet, but it'd be interesting if he has anything to say about that, because um, we obviously don't know how major of a situation this was. So we don't want to speculate on that. But I I hope that it shows how non-major of a situation it was that LeBron was talking about facetiously uh, going to play in Saudi Arabia like an hour and a half after his son just had cardiac arrest, cardi- yeah. went into cardiac arrest on a basketball I mean, court. I can't imagine LeBron finds himself in too many places where there isn't good Wi-Fi or good service, but maybe he, maybe he was in a place where there was bad service, found out about Mbappe, tweeted it, didn't, the tweet didn't go out, or the X, excuse me, the X didn't go out. Uh, and then a couple hours later, once he finally received service, the X goes through, the tweet goes through. So I don't know. That's all speculation. But uh, it is funny, not not the Bronny thing, but it is funny talking about the figures and the numbers and the salaries. We got Mbappe 
nearing a billion dollars. Uh, Jalen Brown is at 300 million. And then we got Saquon Barkley, who's getting the shit beaten out of him. His brains are scrambled. And he's like, I'll sign a one-year $11 million deal. Mbappe's just looking down on them like, what do you want for dinner? Do you want this entire establishment? Do you want this town? Do you want me to buy all the cars parked on the street? Happy to do it for you. Meanwhile, we got Saquon, who's like risking life and limb, literally, <laughs> and getting $11 million. These poor running backs, I, I, it's baffling to me that they didn't see this coming. This has been coming for a long time. And so I just kind of thought it was funny that they all got together on a Zoom call this week. And it was like, why aren't they paying us? Well, it's like, well, what, what, are, what are you guys bitching about each other on, on Zoom going to do to change? Hey, we're not going to play. Okay. Like a union. <laughs> like, no, you, like, so yeah, that, that yeah, actually, yeah, Taylor, that yeah, goes yeah. back to your point about, like player empowerment and what Austin Re- or Rivers said. Uh, it's like, I get where the running backs are coming. You got to do something if you're upset about it. But at the same time, it's like, dog, running backs, not that. Like, I can plug and play Isaiah Pacheco, win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't need Clyde Edwards ra- there. Well, so that's that we had this discussion in uh, one of my group chats this week. And that was, would you rather have the best running back in the NFL or the best kicker in the NFL? I think kicker, dude. Because we all like, we we all unanimously say kicker. Because your team, the better way to put it is, is your team worse off if you have the thirty second best running back in the league or the thirty second best kicker? You're fucked if you have a kicker that's missing like twelve kicks, fourteen kicks a year. Lamar thirty second best running, thirty second best running back, like you just said, just won the Super Bowl. This yeah, year. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, Lamar, and, and we're probably doing a disservice to Pacheco, but I get your point. But Lamar Jackson gets to the fifty or the forty eight. That's three points if he doesn't turn it over, right? Like having Justin Tucker, having Harrison Butker, having these like uh, Mason Crosby, you get to, that's three points automatically, (laughs) but especially for the Ravens. You don't even, you may not even need to get to the 50. Lamar Jackson, good running back. Oh, that he, yeah. See, (laughs) Lamar joked about that, but then he got paid. All right. Anyway, we're going completely off tangent. We wanted to talk a little bit about, Bronny, uh, like I said, wishing him a speedy recovery from the boys here at Titch. Some other college basketball news, though, Taylor. Blue blood news. Kansas, Carolina, the Roy Williams custody battle. Is he going to show up in a split uh, vest, uh, sweater vest? I know you love those sweater vests, but Kansas and Carolina, we got a home and home between the Jayhawks and the Heels. Exciting stuff. Uh, any thoughts on on this matchup moving forward? I got a feeling Kansas is going to drub them twice, but Carolina has a penchant for for waking up and coming to play. But I don't know. What do you think about this? I mean, this year they will, and in today's world of college basketball, like we can really only go year by year at this point because each of these teams will have like seven new players next year. But I love it. I mean, I think it goes without saying that every college basketball fan should love this type of stuff. There's always going to be a few detractors here and there. There. They're like, well, we can't just play the Red Sox against the Yankees every game. It's like, well, yeah, we probably could, actually, because I can tell you nobody gives a shit about the Yankees playing the, you know, Kansas City Royals on a Tuesday night, right? But if they play the Red Sox, then yeah, okay. Then the same thing here. Like, if Kansas was playing Wichita, no, not Wichita, but yeah, some Oklahoma State Western, they'd be like, nobody would give a shit, right? But so instead, on the same date, we, we plug North Carolina in there and everyone's thrilled. So everyone should be excited about this type of stuff. Um, and I think that schools um, are 
really seeing the importance of uh, these big time matchups now, especially when it comes to the monetary side of things. And I think players with these NIL deals and whatever, they're, there's going to be an even bigger push from the players to play tougher schedules. And I think you're seeing a lot of schools uh, finally really lean into that. You, you know, you saw schools that start with a D in North Carolina um, never leave that state unless it was to go to Madison Square Garden. And that was the only time they ever played anybody. But even they're branching out. Even they're coming all the way over to Tucson this year. And I so I like to see. Um, or, or, or I think we're in Durham. This are we? Yeah, whatever. But you know what I mean? It's like, okay, so we're really starting to see now kind of a wider propensity of these teams or a larger propensity for these teams to, to be playing bigger matchups, you know, made for TV type of matchups and make the schools more money. It's going to make the players more money. It's going to give us more entertainment. I see nothing wrong with continuing this type of stuff. Even the champions classic, which we make fun of every year because it, everyone wants to draw some conclusions from the first game of the year. I was like, going to say, I, I love the champions classic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, and, but I don't, I, I don't think it should just be limited to that. Let's make it, let's make a lot of these yeah. primetime type of events. So, I mean, I don't think I'm not exactly going out on a limb here, but I, I, I just think it's important to keep these things going. You know, what's crazy, Taylor. Maybe this is because I've, I've filled up my brain too much. I it literally just dawned on me now. I completely forgot that this is a rematch of the title game from a couple of years ago. Now the faces are going to be a little different. No Brady Manic, no Caleb Love. Who else am I missing? Baycott won't be there for the for the next years. I don't think. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if there's some eligibility issues there, but I think Dewan Harris will still be there, right, for this year. Uh, but. A lot. I mean, obviously, the the coaches on the sideline. Oh, but dude, yeah. I didn't even hold on. I didn't even realize this. The series doesn't even start till two thousand twenty four. I thought it started twenty. I thought it started this year, November eighth, twenty four. We're not in the details. We're not into the details. And, and the return game is November fourteenth, twenty five. So yeah. So is that in, where is it first starting? It's in starting Trouble? in it's starting in Lawrence. Lawrence yeah. starting in Lawrence. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, who knows? Maybe that will be more of a competitive game because, you, like you said, there's going to be so much turnover. But uh, hey, last uh, year, last year at this time, North Carolina was the number one team in the country. And, they, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> and look how that turned out. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about the Maui Invitational here in a second. I saw a tweet. Someone was like, and there's a serious. Po- yeah, sorry. Thank you. There's a serious possible. By the way, hang on. So this is going to be like discuss- like calling, uh, I don't know, long term names. I'm just not going to use it. Like just just today, actually, here's a perfect example. The CAA renamed uh, is renamed from the Colonial Athletic Conference to the Coastal Athletic Conference. No, I'm just for the next two or so years, I'm probably going to continue to call it the Colonial. Soup, I will give you the exact perfect example. And all you have to do is look to the sky in the city that you live in. What's the tallest building in Chicago? Sure as shit ain't the Willis Tower. It that's ain't the, the Willis Tower. Sears Tower right there, people. Okay. That's Great that's point. Your, right. Yeah. So awesome point. I should that was right in my backyard. Thank you. You're absolutely right. Um, but yeah, Kansas, Carolina, you know Roy is gonna show up. I think he's I mean, he's he's kind of like Peyton Manning in the sense that people forget. I feel like Peyton Manning was a great Colt. People don't forget that, but Peyton Manning's always at, at Denver sporting events. Peyton Manning's at Broncos games. He was courtside at the Nuggets series in the NBA finals. I don't ever see him in Indy ever. All right. 
Do we ever see Roy Williams? Now, look, Roy Williams is a few years removed from Carolina. He put in his latest and greatest years there. But Roy Williams has roots at Kansas, too. Like, do we expect to see Roy going to both Lawrence and the Dean Dome? And I think I think Peyton's a part owner of the Broncos, too, isn't he? Or something is he? Like I have that? no clue. Yeah, I'm not sure. I just feel yeah. like he's got way more of a connection with Denver than he does Indy. Is that the same with Roy and, and Chapel Hill versus Lawrence? Well, let's see. I'll tell you why. Because uh, Roy's replacement in Kansas was better than him. That's fair. And that's fair. Peyton's replacement in Indy wasn't better than him, but he was another franchise superstar, whatever. And the Broncos have had nobody at you talking about Curtis Payne, Jim Sorgi. Still don't have anybody at quarterback, but Trevor uh, Simeon, yeah, Jim Sorgi. Uh, Name someone who had a better career. NFL career than Jim Sorge. Uh, Never played a fucking snap and just, <laughs> and Matt, just... Fl- Matt Flynn had a pretty good one. Yeah, and he only had to play like fifty total snaps. So yeah, yeah that's true. But yeah, no, Jim Sorge, all time legend, a Madden, a Madden backup legend. Uh, let me put it that way. Him and Curtis Painter. But yeah, I, I I hope Roy shows up to both. I think that would be cool because both fan bases love him. They adore him now. They're probably going to get into a squabble. Maybe not even a squabble. Kansas is probably like, look, we love Roy, but Bill Self's our number one, right? Larry Brown is probably up there. Maybe some some would argue better than Roy. Some would obviously say Fog Allen, et cetera. But Carolina people, you know, their argument is between Dean and and Roy. Uh, actually, it's crazy, though, the amount of coaches, the legendary coaches between those two programs. It's really cool. And so I'm sure game day will go to both of those locations uh, each year. And, and, and like you said, I'm, I'm just thrilled that we get Kansas and Carolina because we can't forecast. We cannot forecast uh, what these teams are going to look like. The only thing that I would beg and ask, and I think we're going to get it, but you never know, is that these are going to be top 10 matchups. These are going to be top 10 matchups with like resume uh, implications with NCAA tournament seeding implications i do not want sometimes we get a duke carolina game where carolina's unranked it's still a great game don't get me wrong but there's something there's a little bit more juice when it's out of conference when it's two blue bloods when you got the little number seeds next to your next to your name on the score bug right can we see two matchups that dictate or or uh influence the bracket picture, right? Difference between a one and a three. Maybe they're in the same region, and so we could potentially get another rematch in the tournament. I don't know. My mind's going crazy for something that's already starting and only starting in 24. You know, every time we talk about, like, Kansas specifically, just because I have PTSD from this last tournament, like, just think of, the you know, the coaches, the players, everybody we just named, still baffling they only have four national championships. With Larry Brown, Bill Self, and <laughs> and Roy Williams. Somehow they still have less championships than UConn has in the last like ten years. Stupid. Yeah. Move on to the Maui Invitational. Now I'm upset. No, and U- UConn's <laughs> got Kevin Ollie, who's got Kevin Ollie won more titles at uh, UConn than than Roy did at Kansas. Right? <laughs> Is that true? That's tough to say. Roy, for the record, good lord, I know I'm going to get thrown to the wolves. Roy Williams is a far superior coach. I shouldn't have had to say that. All right. Maui Invitational. Taylor. Juicy field. One of the original terms that we coined here on Theater and College Hoops was Pavloving. That's when you just have like a slack jaw and 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 you're 
saliva's going crazy because you're looking at a great matchup. You're looking at a, you know, a personal matchup, head to head teams, coaches, uh, this Bowie Invitational has genuinely made me Pavlov. Let's take a look at the teams. We got Tennessee, we got Purdue, Kansas, who we were just talking about, UCLA, Marquette, Chaminade, of course. Shout out Chaminade, the host, uh, Gonzaga, and Syracuse. So, TD, uh, let me start first and foremost with the matchups. All right. We got Tennessee and Cuse, just a blitz of orange crazy amount of orange in that like bright orange. All right. We know Tennessee has that cream orange and, and Syracuse has that bright orange. It's not the burnt orange from Texas. So the orange matchup Purdue and Gonzaga, two teams, two fan bases that are like, for the love of God, please break through, get us a national title. Purdue fans are probably just like, get me to a final four. Zach's fans have done that, been there, been to a title game. Now they want to raise the, I mean, that, that right there is the tortured fan base game. Uh, you got Kansas Chaminade, and then UCLA Marquette, you want to talk colors, baby. Beautiful uniforms, the blue, the yellow. I honestly hope they go color on color somehow. Maybe like UCLA blue versus Marquette yellow. I don't know. Beautiful matchup, the Maui gym. And you know what we're going to get, Taylor? You know what I always say? The soft rims, baby. Softer than butter. Softer than than your newborn's tush. I, I can say that because we're close, all right? <laughs> so I am going to dial back a little bit of the excitement just for one minute here, even though because I'm glad you brought up the soft rooms because the soft rooms are going to be the only thing that saves us in that Tennessee Syracuse opening game. That is going to (laughs) be a brutal offensive matchup, especially to like, maybe if we were further on in the year, but Syracuse new coach, both teams are awful or were awful offensively this last year anyway. And so to get those teams together in a, what could be like a 90 degree air conditionless gym, fortunately the rims are soft and pretty much as long as you hit the rim, like the ball will go in because other than that, that game could be like a 38 to 36 type of matchup. Am I wrong in this assessment no. of that game? No, man. Santiago Vescovi is going to look like Jason Capono out there. I can already tell. Oh, and it's a 9.30 a.m. start, too. Oh, just terrible. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't even think about that. You got two East East Coast teams. Oh, oh man. That can't play offense. Thank God having for to, the rims. Having to get up at, like, 4.30 in the morning, you know, like, to start pregame walkthrough and stuff, that's going to be rough. Uh, the, the game I am the most excited about in the in the opening matchup, though, is, um, is that Purdue-Gonzaga game. Both teams... Um, Purdue specifically returning uh, a lot of great players. And like you said, I think we're finally, oh, I don't know if I could say this because we've been saying this forever. I mean, I think we're finally, if we haven't been there, we're to the point with Purdue. We're like, it's now, like it's time now. It's time. You have the seven foot four, like guys still coming back to play more basketball for you. Um, Your guards have now grown up after a really, really strong freshman year. And and That's you know, tradition, tradition tells us that freshman to sophomore leap is huge. Yep. Uh, so uh, Fletcher Lawyer should be, I, I mean, he was great last year, but I, I can't imagine how good he's going to be this year. Um, and then Gonzaga, kind of traditionally the same thing, where it's like, okay, we're good, as you said, good enough to get here. I feel like Gonzaga and Purdue are two good comp schools for each other in some capacity, even prior to this, just given like, who they recruit, how long their players stay in school, the consistency of their programs, not flashy, 
like the least flashy programs probably we have at a high major level in college basketball. Um, so I'm really excited about that matchup because those are teams that aren't going to blow you away with their high flying athleticism or things of that nature. Now, Zach Eady will blow you away by the fact that he's t- three times as big as you are. But, um, I, but those are teams that I, I think are going to be able to, to grind it out in the tournament. That's, that's of any of these matchups. That's for sure. Um, a legitimate elite eight type of matchup that we could look for uh, down the line. Um, I don't think we're going to see Tennessee Syracuse playing in the elite eight. Maybe one of them will get there, but Vols I don't. Balls might. Uh, yeah, I don't Syrac- Syracuse Vols isn't might, going to. Yeah. Um, Shalmanad, obviously, they're going to lose by five hundred thousand to Kansas. No, um, yeah. can we get an upset? If they were literally playing any other team in this in this tournament, except maybe. the best team in the country. <laughs> yeah. Um, but UCLA Marquette, uh, opening one, uh, game two. That's going to be a team. Uh, two good matchups or a good matchup, uh, two teams that are kind of replacing a number of parts from last year. Um, Nick Cronin has proved himself to be a very good coach, uh, a much better coach than I think what people would have even expected uh, with UCLA. Um, And, uh, you know, Marquette had a very surprisingly good year this last year. And uh, to watch them uh, play a a UCLA team will be exciting in that opening round too. Um, That should be a much more offensively – thrilling game than the opening game. Um, but I hope, I mean, I'm trying to walk my way through the bracket. UCLA, Kansas is going to be awesome. And then I don't even know how, I mean, I would say Tennessee is going to win that first game against Syracuse, but Purdue Gonzaga to me is a complete 50, 50 toss up. I, I would, I really don't know who I would take in that matchup. Um, at least not at this juncture. So, uh, I think we could get maybe a, a Gonzaga, Kansas, a Gonzaga, UCLA, another rematch of a, of a previous final four game in recent times here. That would be a good one. Um, or, a, you know, a Purdue, Purdue, Kansas, Purdue, UCLA. I mean, what do we look, we're looking at this field, but there's three legitimate, probably three legitimate national title contenders in, in Gonzaga, Purdue and Kansas. Uh, UCLA is probably right behind that. And Tennessee is probably right behind that. Is that an accurate assumption? Would you say? I think you're sleeping on Tennessee, man. I really do. Now they have some offensive woes, but Zakai Ziegler's back. Vescovy's back. But are they, are they better than Gonzaga, Purdue and Kansas? So it's it's all, they might be better than Gonzaga. Uh, they're not better than Purdue or Kansas, right? Okay. But they might be better than Gonzaga. And I'll tell you what, Gonzaga, Mark few, they've done a really good job since the final buzzer sounded, uh, in Houston when UConn was coronated. I think everyone was like, Zags are cooked. People are leaving. Julian Strother going to the draft. Drew Timmy's gone. Blah, blah, blah. I want to see in that game, I want to see how Graham Ike, everyone's going to be have their eyes on Zach Eady. I got enough eyes on Zach Eady for the past couple of years. I know how dominant he is. I want to see what Graham Ike does in a big stage against a national player of the year like Zach Eady. For a lot of these players, this is, I mean, the Maui Invitational, let's call it what it is, is one of the premier uh, early season tournaments, right? You got the Champions Classic. You got you got the Maui Invitational. I love the Maui uh, the most. And so Syracuse, Red Autry, first time head coach, and those players. I feel like Syracuse has not been in a big time tournament that we give a damn about in quite some time. Uh, so we'll see how they respond against a Tennessee team that has been in some of these tournaments recently and has had those expectations. Uh, but I'm curious to see how Graham Ike adjusts and how he plays, and especially coming off of uh, injury. So that's going to be intriguing. And then UCLA Marquette. I'm, I'm not sleeping on Marquette. I actually think Marquette's a better team 
than UCLA. Yeah, um, and honestly, let me inter- I'm I'm underselling Marquette to be honest with you. I, I both t- I am definitely underselling Tennessee, but I am underselling Marquette as well. So, but continue on, sorry. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. And so like it, it, I don't think Golden Eagles fans thought that Omax Prosper was going to be so good that he would end up being a first round pick. They were probably like, dude, pull it back just a little bit so you can come back and play with Tyler Kolek and the rest of the gang that that won the Big East. But I, I do think that's going to be a great matchup because, like you had alluded to, Mick Cronin's always going to be a great coach. Uh, but Adem Bona, really good player. Uh, they got uh, they got some European player coming in. Does uh, does UCLA? Who's going to be a difference maker? I think Rothstein was was tweeting about him, so he's going to be good, I'm sure. But this field is just so much fun. And then you mentioned all those matchups, Taylor. What about Purdue, Tennessee? Do you remember a couple of years ago? I believe the shark was in the building in Louisville. How could, how could I forget? Ryan Klein just stuck a dagger. What is Ryan Klein up to? We got to get him on the pod. I don't yeah, know. I, I mean, that the shark is going to be shaking just from his mm-hmm. uh, just PTSD of the of that being in that game specifically or at that game specifically. I, w- I would imagine he'll be trembling uh, at that at that thought. But you know what I like about Maui specifically though is. Um, it's kind of the last remaining of the traditionally great um, preseason tournaments. Now the NIT, the the NIT has always been at MSG. So that, that, well, that maintains, but all of these other tournaments are now just, I mean, they're still special. Don't get me wrong. Like I like the champions classic and I like all these are really cool, but now they're just all at NBA arenas and it takes away a lot of that, like really like nostalgic feel of college basketball. Um, and I'm not just saying this as an Alaskan, but the Great Alaska Shootout used to be the tournament back in the 100%. back in the day. Used it was Maui in Alaska, and you would have a national title winner from that tournament, either of those two tournaments, pretty much every year. I remember um, in the late '80s, um, I think actually when I was born, so in 1989, um, the my parents used to always go down to the Great Alaska Shootout, so I went to my first college basketball tournament uh the year i was born in 89 and the teams in that tournament were i think syracuse was the number one team in the country it was duke it was uh, uh arkansas at the start of their like run and gun uh 60 uh, 40 feet of hell. hell yeah excuse me yeah not yeah um arizona was the fifth best team in the tournament is what i remember and they were ranked eighth in the country that year and so and you're like holy shit you know and those i feel like we got away from that for like a decade of like some really really strong college basketball tournaments in the preseason but the cool part about those tournaments was like yeah it was like anchorage alaska like this is you know there's a very famous picture of steve kerr on a dog sled outside of the arena and stuff like that and we just don't get any of that anymore outside of maui Everyone's standing at the beach in the, you know, with the surf, uh, surfboards. We, there isn't really that there's that one like dumb Bahamas turn or the Atlantis doesn't really. Oh, battle for Atlantis, which it looks like it's taking place in a ballroom. Yeah, it is. Well, that's cause it is taking place. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So like that just doesn't have the same feel. And so that's what I still love about Maui. And that's why I always tune into Maui too, is not only do they have great matchups, um, and, you know, obviously my bias is that, you know, Arizona has been in the Maui Invitational every four years for since the 80s. A huge ass picture of Stanley Johnson and Lute Olsen on the wall that you can see in almost every single free throw. So obviously I have some Arizona bias there, too. But I like Maui just because it's kind of that last nostalgic, like traditional college basketball tournament. 
Well, it's cool. Like seeing all the kids do the beach activities. I mean, you see it in, in some of these neutral site games. They'll, I don't know, they'll be like bowling. It's like, you can go bowling anywhere, man. You can't go to the beach like in Maui. You can't do a luau. You got the 40 feet in the sand with Jay Billis, all that good stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Maui is something that we've held on to dearly since our childhood. And I forget who tweeted it. There was an article about it. I, I wish I was able to attribute who wrote this article, but it, it's a really good point. I, I suppose I hadn't noticed it, but it kind of dovetails and, and ties into what you were saying, Taylor, which is uh, we have too many neutral site games. And if you're going to do neutral site, obviously Maui is a neutral site, but if you're going to do a neutral site game or an event, try to have it at someplace iconic. I, I don't know how many times, and, and MSG is that. I'm good with that. I don't need to see a crossroads classic in Indianapolis. Like, can we get back to home and away for the most part? Games, games should be played on campus. If you're not doing like Lahaina gym or MSG or something to, uh, to that effect. So I don't know if I'm articulating that properly, but if we're not going to be in those iconic college basketball locations, right. Cause there's a lot of great, I mean, MSG is both college and NBA but usually the college basketball arenas are far smaller and there's a little bit more hominess to it. Intimacy. Get intimate with it. But no, mm. I mean, it, mm, no, uh, sensual. No, but if you look at like, um, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about teams now kind of scheduling a few more home and homes. Like Duke, Duke being a great example. Duke would never play anything but neutral site games. Though their road games were neutral site games. That, w- that was it, you know? Well, Duke ruined basketball. Yeah, we know that. But I mean, look, if you look at um, just and I'm only saying bringing up Arizona again because I don't know everybody else's schedule, but Arizona plays on like five NBA arenas this year. And I think it's cool in some capacity, but on the other capacity, I'm like, I'd rather play Indiana in Indiana, not in Indianapolis. You, you know, I'd, I'd I rather I'm done with or we're playing it, or whatever we're playing. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, I, I'd rather play. Yeah. Duke at Cameron, which fortunately we're doing, you know, so I I. I like part of it, but um, and then Arizona is playing up here in Phoenix uh, as well. Who are they playing in that game? Gonzaga, Purdue, or is it Purdue? Yeah, maybe it is Purdue. Fuck, I don't know. We're playing every Indian. I think Indiana it is team. Purdue. Yeah. I think it is Purdue because we're playing them in Indianapolis. Yeah, right. Okay, so sure. Anyway, but you know, so it is cool to bring it to like the nearest big city, and I think maybe doing that once a year is fun. But by the time you played, yeah, your fourth or fifth or sixth neutral site game, you're kind of like, okay, this is really lacking that feel. And even yeah. though we'll even though we'll sit on here and discuss the game after, we'll be like, yeah, it felt like a tournament game. In reality, you probably could go in there, and no matter what the matchup is in these neutral site games, there's almost always a couple thousand seats at the top that are not filled in because you're talking about playing in 20,000 seat arenas in cities where the fan bases aren't even necessarily like Vegas, like Vegas. Yeah. Everyone loves Vegas, but 20,000 people aren't going to an Arizona, Indiana game in Vegas. Like it's just yeah. in in December, it's just not going to happen, you know? So yeah, give me, give me Mikhail, give me a uh, assembly hall, give me Cameron, give me the, the home and homes versus all this uh, neutral site stuff. Well, even the get, mid-majors, get off my lawn, get off my lawn. <laughs> We're at that point in our life, but even the mid majors, Taylor, like, I can't speak highly enough about Dayton where I've gone to UD arena to watch the first four play play in games. Right. I've, I've seen obviously Dayton games. I've seen neutrals uh, neutral games held at UD arena and it's so much fun. It's such a great environment. It's the perfect size. Uh, now I, I understand you can't do that in every single city there's logistics, but you know, just from a perspective of 
wanting what I want and getting folks off my lawn. Yeah. That's uh that's kind of where we're coming from. TD, I'm going to get us on out of here, but I need your feedback. I need your support and help here. Okay. I've just realized, I've just come to the realization that I can no longer DM people to come on the podcast uh, unless I have Twitter blue, unless I pay for verification. Now, I could always email them. Uh, I emailed Max Weepking, still waiting on a response from him. I could Instagram DM them. But Twitter, which was my bread and butter, baby, that was my go-to. That was my alley-oop, my pick and roll. Uh, I can't do it anymore, man. And I feel naked. I feel lost. I feel stripped. I am low-key fuming at motherfucking Elon Musk for disallowing me to shamelessly DM uh, the likes of Omar Samhan. All right. I can no longer reach out to a Max Zhang from Cal if I wanted to. So what do I do? Do I pay for the Twitter blue? and continue this or do i circumvent the system and find other modes of communication so tell me if i'm on off base with this or on base with this um the only reason i haven't gotten twitter blue is i don't care about the the eight dollars like that doesn't bother me is i don't want the blue check mark yeah you look i don't want to make it seem like i'm someone i'm not i'm nobody i'm just a regular ass dude I'm not a, I'm not a tweet. I'm a tweet. Do I'm a dude who tweets, whatever, you know, like I'm not, I don't want a check mark to make it seem like, Oh yeah. Hey guys, I paid eight bucks because I'm a, I know I am somebody like, no, I tweet. Who reads my tweets? Me, I read you, I really that's like about it. That's about it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean like CJ, Ted, <laughs> like what the other guys were texting the same exact shit at the same exact time anyway, you know, <laughs> so, hopefully so, the people that listen to my intro saying to follow you. <laughs> So it's been really interesting. Let me go on my 17th side tangent of this episode so far. Um, we talked about my upcoming performance on a on a national TV program. Have we discussed that? Have I not? Have I let that out? You okay. didn't give the details. I, okay, I'm not going to give the details, but I am going to appear on a nationally disseminated uh, real estate program later this year. Let's see if people can figure that out from there because there's not that many options to go from, right? <laughs> but so... Every so often, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. Every so often, the uh, producers and the people involved in this program text me or email me and the other people on the program and say, hey, can you remind me what your um, um, like social media handles and stuff are? So in case we need to tag you in any promotional stuff. And I'm like, on my other social media, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, whatever. Instagram, whatever. It's just me drinking beers, talking about real estate. Facebook, it's just like me commenting on my grandma's shit. Twitter, <laughs> on the other hand, uh, yeah. is not necessarily something that I need these people going back through. So I've been kind of like um, toggling the private tweets on and off uh, over the last few months, just whenever I hear from them. Hey, Taylor, so what? what's your handle again? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, I don't. I don't tweet that often. You know, I don't even worry about it. You know, go look at my profile. Thirty thousand tweets over fifteen years. <laughs> stupid. I've but, seen. I've been next to you when you're I know, firing yeah, off those tweets. Yeah, no, yeah, right back at you. Yeah, right. A lot of Correct. tweets sent sent from the uh, from couches uh, next to each other over the years. But yeah. So anyway, going back to the beginning, that's my whole issue here. Is I'm I'm all for you being able to get you know to getting in there DMing. 
I'll, I'll split it with you four bucks a piece, but no, I know, but, but it's the not wanting to have the check mark to make it seem like I'm some kind of like self-important douche is really my biggest issue with the whole deal. So, okay. What I should do is maybe I'll pay for it. And then once I exchange DMS, be like, yo, text me. Then we get to the text. I'll take it back down. And then I put it back up and then I take it back down. Cause I, I I'm with you, man. I do not want folks see like we are a grassroots mom and pop type of college basketball podcast. By the way, we've had some really cool guests. I'm not bashful enough to say that. I think we've had some awesome guests. Uh, but if we're not getting guests here, uh, that is why I'm, I'm going to do my best to continue and, and scrounge them up, but who knows, maybe I'll just tweet and tag them. Maybe I'll Instagram, like I said, Instagram, DM them, email them, go old school, man. I know millennials hate talking on the phone, but maybe I'll just call them. Wow. Well, you know, Sub, I will say this, you know, the three point line used to not exist. Dunking, dunking used to be illegal. Uh, you know, shot clock used to not exist, and then it became thirty-five, and it became thirty. So things change. We just got to pivot, and we just got to uh, survive and, and advance here. Or in this situation, maybe more of a survive and adapt. I guess things change. I love it. All right, let's get on out of here. Thank you as always for listening, Taylor. Good to chat with you. We will catch you next time here on theater and college hoops.